Thank you for joining the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues Mitch Jelniger and Jordan Sherman. You may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders, and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Welcome to another Move the Stairs podcast. We are recording on Friday. This is May 12th, 2023, and we're glad you're going to join us. We're going to have a very interesting conversation today. We are excited to talk to Gayla Huber. She's the president of IntegraShield, and this is a company that aligns with our philosophy in MNC Communications, because you know what it does? It helps clients protect their brands, and you know how much we love that. Yeah, no kidding. It, it's a really fascinating international uh, company operating in over 50 countries, and what Integra Shield does is help to monitor, track, and enforce regulations for businesses so that they can remain in compliance and in good standing. And of course, we know that's incredibly important when you work in the cannabis space. Indeed. So we're going to ask Gila how IntegraShield helps businesses grow, maybe even save money at the same time. That's always nice, right? And protecting them from brand violations. Yeah, that's great. So Gayla, we are welcome to join you. There you are. Hello, Gayla. How are you? Hello. Great. Thanks for having me today. Oh, thank you for coming on. We're so glad to have you. So tell me a little bit about your background and what people should know about IntegraShield. All right. So uh, my background is something that makes IntegraShield pretty unique. So I do tend to usually start with that. Uh, I actually have been in advertising for about 20 years. Um, I've done everything from sort of the corporate branding side. Um, but the last decade before IntegraShield, um, I was really focusing on direct response advertising, as we called it back in the day. Um, now we're performance marketing, digital marketing. Um, one of the first digital marketers out there. So I was the person that, um, if you remember, on your cell phones when you used to have banners at the top and the bottom. That was me. Um, so yeah, I've been doing this a while. Uh, but uh, because of my background and really kind of focusing on the lead generation side and doing the digital advertising, um, it was back in about 2010, uh, we started to notice that with regulations being heightened, a lot of our clients did not know what to do. They were just sort of floating out there. They didn't know how to read the regulations. They didn't know how to respond to them or even just um, how to practically apply what they needed to do. So I spent a couple of years trying to, to see what we wanted to do about that, you know, spending sort of my weekends and Saturdays and Sundays doing it manually. Um, we looked for any solutions that already existed. There were none. Uh, so we ended up um, developing IntegraShield. And so, um, and I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that I have um, a majority owner investor um, who is willing to put money up and, you know, really do things to protect um, not just consumers, but the companies out there that are the good actors that want to protect consumers. So that's how IntegraShield got started in 2012. Great. Awesome. That's great. The other way mentioned that IntegraShield helps companies defend from brand violations. Now, the term brand violations, pretty self-explanatory, but I'm betting 
there's some businesses out there I thought, oh, I haven't thought about that. So explain why it's so important for businesses and how it really it helps build some customer loyalty. All right. You'll have to remind me about the customer loyalty piece at the end because you got me stuck automatically on the um, brands not thinking about it. Um, one of the number one things that we hear when we talk to folks is that they didn't even know. Right. It's the unknown. They did not even know they needed to be doing what they need to be doing. <laughs> so um, but I mean, that's to be expected. Right. We're all experts in what we do. Um, if someone is in finance or CBD or whatever industry that they're in, you know, they're the expert in that. Right. So um, they don't always understand sort of the digital advertising space and what's out there um, or the Internet in, in particular. Right. So. Um, the big piece is really getting the awareness out there that there's a lot out there that people should be concerned about. There's things that you just don't even know are out there. And it, it, I've never, ever had a client come to me where there was something they that they knew everything. Literally never had that happen. So, um, yeah. And on the loyalty side. So when we talk to clients, um, as you can imagine, once they find out it's out there, they're like, yes, what do we need to do about this? Let's let's fix this. But um, on the loyalty side, you know, what we found is that a lot of the content that's out there um, that is the unknown content. So not what you know, not what you've paid for, but that unknown content can really confuse consumers. Um, and just sort of like an example of that, um, sort of like maybe getting maybe a little too early into the regulation talk, but um when I go out and I analyze the FTC's database of consumer complaints, when I go out and analyze the CFPB's database of consumer complaints, we see all of these comments about, well, I reached out to this company and they never responded to me, but I gave them my information. And how scary is that? Like, I understand on the FTC side, we're probably more talking about, you know, name, phone, email. But on the CFPB side, we're talking about bank account numbers, social security numbers, different things like that. And so these brands don't even realize that there are these websites out there that look like them, that consumers are entering in that information. Um, and so it's a, just a really bad customer experience in general, but it's also really dangerous for the consumers. So on our side, it's not just loyalty. It's definitely loyalty at the end of the day. But a big piece of that is just in general, consumers not thinking that they're filling out your information and, and, and it ends up overseas somewhere. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so it, that kind of dovetails into my next question, uh, Gayla. I mean, because IntegraShield monitors quite a bit, whether it's social media, online advertising, just a couple of areas. Um, what would you say are the top three areas or top three things that you're protecting companies from? What are the three most common things? The most common, definitely the infringement. So whether you're trademarked or not, you're going to have products or services out there, your brand name out there that we need to make sure that people aren't mimicking or using that to steal traffic, different things like that. So in some cases, they're not trying to rip off consumers data, but they certainly want to use those popular brand names to, to steal their traffic and all of that. Um, so that's a really big one. Um, a newer sort of issue that's out there is the unauthorized sales. There's a lot of that going on these days, whether that's, you know, in the U.S. So, the, you know, Amazon is sort of a common one, but overseas, too. They have uh, Macari and different things like that. That would be similar to Amazon. Um, so making sure unauthorized sales are not happening. And even I mean, it's, it's crazy, the stuff people do, but it'll look like they're buying a particular product and they'll have the picture of the product. But when the consumer gets it, it's not the same product. So um, and then I would say it's a toss up probably between regulatory 
um, issues and affiliate marketing. And I hate to say that because I was an affiliate marketer, but it is still kind of the wild west out there. And even though you are paying someone and you have policies in place, they're using content creators and publishers that didn't go to school for this. And, and quite frankly, until recently, you could not get a compliance uh, education. You could only go to law school or not, right? So you didn't really get a lot on the compliance side. Um, but um, even if you're paying them or not, there's there's a lot of content out there that just, um, it, it's just bad content in general, and it'll break either a, a regulatory violation or a branding violation. That's great info. And, and, you know, going back to what you were saying before about somebody puts their information and it turns out it was one of these lookalike websites. Um, I think for our CBD owners, this, that's huge um, because there's a lot of regulations that could be broken in that situation. But also when you're talking about customer loyalty, once you put your information in and then you, all of a sudden you realize, I just had this happen on, on Facebook. I love QVC and everybody on the call knows that I love QVC. Me too. Okay, good. And so there was a QVC outlet Facebook page and they had some Dooney and Burke purses at an amazing price. And I'm like, oh, I've been looking for an outlet. I don't live near one. That's wonderful. Boom, 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 boom. And then when I got the email back, it came from China. Now I got a purse. It looks like Dooney and Burke. I don't know whether it is or not, but that type of experience says, oh, you know what? I'm not, for Facebook alone, I'm not giving my information anymore, period, there, because I lost the trust. And I think that's the issue with, with consumer loyalty is that it's trust. And if you, if you go to one of these fake websites and then you find out you've been taken afterwards, it does cloud the image of the company that had nothing to do with it. So I'm wondering, um, have you had any situations like that where you've had a company who's had a problem and then how did you deal with it? So what we do, and it's a long process, I'm gonna break this down really short, but um, first we have to identify in those situations, um, unfortunately, is it someone you authorize to do it or not? So that's, you handle it a couple different ways. Um, but if it's a typically a not authorized um, individual who did that, then we have to identify the owner. A lot of those folks are overseas um, and that's just because they simply don't have to comply with a lot of our federal regulations that are out there and, or the lack of in CBD, I should say. But yes, um, the, the regulations that are out there. Um, and then um, once we identify the owner, we as a company have found that talking to someone with honey versus a stick tends to help what we're trying to accomplish. Um, we know that these folks are probably bad actors, um, but a lot of them, once they're caught, um, not that they won't do it again, but once they're caught, they will quickly take it down as long as we don't th make threats or try to involve anyone else initially. And so I would say probably 75% of the time that that works the best. Um, and then you have some other folks that they are aware of what they can get away with. Um, so they'll continue to leave it up. At that point, we have really good working relationships with web hosters um, and registrars. So um, we'll go to one of them, report the fraud, and then work with them on getting that taken down. And that's what kind of covers us the rest of the way, um, because the the hosters and the registrars don't want anything to do with that fraud either. So that's great. Uh, it's great to have those connections too. And it, um, it sounds like a really good news story, actually, which kind of moves us into the next phase of our podcast, uh, Gayla, because uh, you may or may not know, but uh, myself, Mitch, Diane, we're all former journalists 
And, you know, we dive into that background a lot when we're uh, preparing clients um, for media interviews and, you know, consulting them on whether or not to take a media interview, because we look at um, those interviews as an opportunity in many cases to position them as a thought leader um, and instill that confidence in themselves and in, in their brand. So um, let's get into the media side of things. You know, do you have any tips um, for business owners when they get the call from media, especially when it pertains to things that you're working on, such as, hey, um, you know, your company may or may not have been involved in some fraudulent activity here. You know, what, what advice would you offer them? Well, number one, have you met Diane Mitch and Jordan? That might be. <laughs> um, but I guess if they haven't talked to you, um, so we do encourage all of our clients to make sure they're being proactive um, when it comes to that. And I, I've probably experienced the same thing that you guys have, which is um, there are some companies who are very shy when it comes to dealing with reporters. Uh, and, and we work with some really high, highly regulated industries. So there's always someone with an agenda. There's, you know, or they might be afraid that a reporter has a particular agenda or something like that. Um, but they really do. My tip to them would be to be proactive, make sure that, you know, even if they're not working with you guys, as you guys know, have something ready, have your talking points ready. Um, and make sure that you've looked at all the different scenarios that can happen with your brand. I know that I do that, you know, I'm not even in a highly regulated industry and you guys probably do that as well. But, you know, if we were to get a call about a particular issue, we wanna be ready and, you know, make sure we're being proactive on that front. So um, that would be my number one tip, but I, I, I still think they should have um, a PR company like yours um, in place. And if they don't, that's kind of scary, especially if you're a highly regulated company. Yeah, if all of a sudden you get that call from the media, what do I do? Yeah, um, and that's why, yeah we always encourage businesses to, to kind of build a relationship with members of the media so they know who the good players are, you know, who, the, who are the ones that are really sharp, who are the ones that maybe, you know, maybe do have an agenda. Um, so if, even if there's negative news that comes out, say, about your industry, whatever it is, um, we always say don't shy away from that. That could be an opportunity, right, to shine and look like a leader in your, in your arena, in your industry. But how do you suggest business owners handle the press if something maybe not so good comes out about uh, your particular industry? Um, I do think people should face it head on. It's just like negative reviews. If you don't address it, it's just going to get worse. And then not to mention, we talked about consumer loyalty. It definitely can affect that as well. Um, there's, you know, I know we're specifically sort of on the CBD side here, but I've, I'm in a lot of industries and this does happen across the board. Um there's so much misinformation out there about different regulated industries. And again, it comes back to depending on who's saying what it's an agenda item. Um, we know because we work with so many brands um, that are what we call good actors in their spaces, right? They are not only working to protect their brand, but they work to protect their consumers and on down the line, right? Their entire ecosystems um, that, there is a story to be told there. So I, I think companies should absolutely be ready to tell those stories. Um, if something negative comes out, even if it's not even necessarily specifically about your company, support that industry, right? Support that other company and have, you know, some commentary um, ready to go on that and make sure that you're responding to whatever has come out. Um, that's at least our, in our experience, that's always been the best way to handle that. 
It's so true. I mean, there's always two sides to a story. Um, although sometimes that kind of gets muddied if the one side who can put the story into perspective is concerned enough that they're not even going to do any outreach. And, uh, and then the story feels like it's two-sided and the other side is bad, as opposed to it's two-sided and there were reasons and this is why. And I think putting that perspective around is really important. Um, but as Mitch said, really knowing those uh, reporters is huge. How do you talk to companies about developing relationships with the reporters? And, and do you think that's beneficial? I do think it's beneficial. So we've had experience just ourselves um, where because we, we, we work with billions of sets of data, right? So we're, look, we're the internet worldwide, right? So the whole World Wide Web. And so I, we're looking at billions of URLs. We have a ton of content, a ton of data that sort of supports what's going on in different industries. Um, and we know that it's beneficial because we've actually supplied that data for both state and federal regulators to take looks at um, in different situations that have you know arisen over time. Um, and it has helped them, you know, we've helped them be able to come back to the different regulatory groups like the FTC and folks like that um, and say, you know, here's what you're proposing, but here's what's really happening, right? Here's all the data to support that. Um, so absolutely, um, I think that they should be um, having their relationships with reporters. Um, I know it's not, they don't all, again, this is why they need a company like yours, but I know not everyone knows how to do that. That's not what they do for a living, but you know, if they have that opportunity, they should definitely be doing it. Yeah. We agree. Absolutely. One of the things we, we, we talk to companies about is building a resilient brand. They're like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm working on, on that. But we ask them, are you prepared if something goes south? in the industry, in your own company. And they're like, oh, well, wait a minute. Um, and so, you know, one of the ways to create that resilient brand is to establish yourself, your business as, again, the leader in that industry. So I'm curious, do, do you encourage business owners to, to be accessible to the media? In other words, if something happens in the industry, you think, oh, I'm going to call Jane at XYZ company because she's been open with me before and she, we can get to the bottom of the issue. Do, do you encourage them to be the expert in their industry. Absolutely. Um, and just as um, our own organization, um, we have um, reached out to a lot of our clients just to say, hey, you are someone, you have a lot of industry background, you know the entire ecosystem. Can we get your opinion out there on social media? Can we get it, you know, you know, so I know that I'm not the one that's going to hook them up with the reporters, but we are consistently every single week trying to get those folks to sort of share what's going on um, and be willing to put that out into the public so that um, they can really be seen as that industry expert. And I know that they are. We're, we're really lucky. We work with some fantastic companies, some really great owners and C-suite folks that, I mean, they don't just know their piece. They know the entire ecosystem that exists out there um, and they, they're doing it right. So yeah, definitely need to get their, all of their um, expertise out there. One of the great things about brand protection PR is it helps companies prepare for the unexpected. Now, Gayla, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, never have you had somebody sign up uh, to use your service that knew everything they needed to be on the lookout for. 
So how do you help them do that? Is there like an onboarding process where they come on and you go through your checkbox to say, okay, this is what we're looking at. This is what we're looking at. How do you help them prepare? Yeah. So since we specialize in the unknown, and I think we're probably the only folks that do that in the monitoring space, um, we do sort of know kind of where to look, right? All the corners of the internet where things like to live. Um, but yeah, so when we meet a company, um, it's not real difficult with that check sort of, you know, check the boxes system, like what it, what are you doing? What are your brand? What are your products? Um, what services do you have? Where are you authorized to sell at? Different things like that. Um, and then we just go from there, right? So we throw out a net um, and start collecting all that unknown information. And then we turn around and say, hey, okay, here's everything you've got. Um, now let's see what we need to do about that, right? So like, let's make sure that you have um, documentation showing that it's not yours. Let's make sure we have documentation showing that you've attempted to take it down um, in the event that we couldn't get it taken down for some reason. Um, and so really in the compliance space for us, it's really all about um, documenting everything uh, and making sure that if someone does come knocking on your door, you, do, you have exactly everything that you need. Gayla, that was fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, Gayla Huber, you are from IntegraShield. How do people get a hold of you? You can find us at IntegraShield.com. Fabulous. Thank you so much. We hope you have a great day. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Man, that was a great conversation, wasn't it, guys? Good information. Yes. Yep. I loved how she talked about things like bad websites, bad actors on websites and how they find those websites. And, and she also used talked about using honey more than a stick. I love mm -hmm. that. Too. I thought that was cool, but that, you know, 75% of the time, just making a phone call um, can get those sites down, but you may not even know that's happening and imagine what that's, how that's impacting your customer loyalty. Yeah. That, that she talked about that unknown content out there can really, it just confuses the consumer mm -hmm. and that erodes your, you're trying to build customer loyalty that will erode it. So uh, no wonder they're, they're focused on it. And so many companies take advantage of this. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things um, I really enjoyed about the conversation is um, Gayla talked about, you know, how, how do you deal with negative press or negative press opportunities? And that's what it is. It, it's an opportunity and there are two sides to every story. And although the story may be focused on, hey, what are these bad actors doing? There's also a lot of good things that are happening in this space. And I just thought that was a really um, good example of bridging to a, a good message point that you may be bringing into one of these negative um, industry interviews uh, where things may not be looking so great, but you have an opportunity. It's not a spin. It's educating the reporter and the audience to, hey, you know, there, there are a lot of good things happening in the space and we can't let one bad apple potentially spoil the whole bunch here. Yeah, it's true. Point. And, you know, that really leads into brand resilience because it's mm -hmm. not only just your brand, it's the industry. And when you're out there and you're really putting the perspective around whatever the issue is, um, you do position yourself as a thought leader. And in doing that, you build more of that relationship and trust with your customer, all of that comes back to brand protection PR and that's why we're here. So what a great conversation. I can't wait to, to talk to our guests next week. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you. And thanks also to our special guest, Gayla Huber from Integra Shield for joining us on this Move the Stairs podcast. Thank you for listening in. We hope you'll join us again for another episode of the Move the Stairs podcast. <music> 
Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase Move the Stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story. No excuses. And one night, I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around, and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.